Let us open our Bibles to Titus chapter 3, please. Titus chapter 3, please. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's read together these verses again. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3. He says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. That's big, huh? Uh, Al, can you turn that set on for me, please? Uh, let's see, there we go. Changed. We're doing this series called Changed, and I think we're at, we're at, we got one more uh, part to finish after today. And uh, the idea is uh, that God changes us. Part one, we saw, we read about it here in verse three. That, you know, this is the way we were, foolish, disobedient, and all those other things. That's the way we were. That's, that's what God had to work with, and it wasn't much. In fact, it wasn't anything to, to speak of. But before Christ, that's what we're like. That's what, there's this thing in our heart. We're just lost. We're dead. We, had, we don't have any hope. It's, it's not a good picture. But Jesus, it says here that he saved us. The, love, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not because of what we did. He saved us. And so this change came, and we take Jesus Christ as, as our Savior. We take him as our Lord. That's what, you remember, Anno Domini means? Anybody remember? The year of our Lord. Yeah, really from his birth. But for us, it's, it's really from our birth, it's... it's from our time of being born again, which is part three, where we have the new birth, where something radical takes place within our very heart and being. We're born again. Remember, I asked the question last time, are you born again? Do you have that second birth? It's a supernatural, it's a miraculous thing. It's a, a new creation that takes place within us, a new life, a new beginning, a brand new life. And Jesus said those words, you must be born again. Now, uh, I'm going to test you here to see if you were with me. Now, the definitive passage on being born again, Jesus speaks about it, and it's found in John chapter 3. Okay, you're never going to forget that now, right? If, maybe I should have given you a few more clues. Someone told me, I knew where it was, they told me later. Really? <laughs> Who are you kidding? Now, Jesus said you must be born again. If you are not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't even see it. You can definitely not enter it unless God brings this brand new life within you, within me. So if someone says, are you born again, you better, if you're one of his, you better say, yes, of course I am, definitely, no question, I'm born again by the Spirit of God, which is, brings us to where we're at today here. We see that in verse, 
the last part of uh, verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. How? By the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. I like that. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is a transformation. This is something that that is done by the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God by the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the the Holy Spirit today. And and, and some of of you, you know, when I even say that, you either cringe or you go, you get all excited. One or the other. Because we have this thing, and I've noticed this through the years. I've been a Christian a few years. And, you know, this thing of being to, to the extreme. You're either at one extreme or at the other extreme, but I think we're supposed to be in the middle, right? We're supposed to be balanced. So it's not just, you know, I mentioned the word Holy Spirit or the name Holy Spirit, I should more rightly say, and you cringe, oh, that, that's going to freak me out. The Holy Spirit, that's what happened back then. And then other of you, when I say that, you say, yeah, we're going to have a Holy Spirit revival. We're going to all start dancing and we're going to just go crazy in here. What should we do? Let's take a vote. (laughs) You know, we need a balance, you know. The fact of the matter is is that that when we go to one extreme or the other, we take one piece of truth and we multiply it, magnify it above every other truth. Well, that doesn't mean that it's not necessarily true, but when you blow it up, sometimes it's going to make you blow up. So we need to be balanced. Now we see in in this passage, we see the Father, right? The kindness and love of God our Savior. We see the Holy Spirit now in verse 5, and then at the end of verse 6, we see Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we see the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and they're, they're all involved in this work, in what's going on in us. It's not just Jesus only, which you hear some people say. It's all Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working. Now, you know, the Trinity, you know, the that there's one God and three persons. They're all fully God, co-eternal, co-existent, forever and ever. It's a little bit of, of just the theology of what the Bible teaches very, very clearly, I believe. But the Holy Spirit, we see in this passage, and I want to look at some different passages today, the Holy Spirit is very involved in this work. So if you might be one of those people that cringe about it, well, without the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're not going to be born again. You're not going to have this renewal. You're not going to be one of His without the Holy Spirit doing something in your life. So don't be so quick to close the door. Notice it says there, in some uh, versions I think don't translate this correctly, but, but it says whom. Renewed by the Holy Spirit. Whom, right? You know, W-H-O-M, which is a term of, of person. It's not which. It's, it's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. As I said, he's co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and with the Son. But he's not a force, He's not this force, and I think that, you know, in some of the extremes, he becomes this force that is moving and and all that, but but he's a person, and he is God, the person. So he has all the rights, he has the will, he has the power, 
the sovereignty of, of who God is. We can't make this force happen and do this kind of thing, the force be with you sort of thing. No, we pray, we ask God to do what he wants to do. But I love it what it says here. He says that, that he saved us by, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. It's the Father pouring out this, this generous, some translations call it richly or abundantly. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's not holding back. What a picture that is, that, that God is not holding back in our lives. If, if anybody holds back, who is it? It's you and me. But this is a sign of God's love. It's a sign to me of God's willingness. He, he pours out his Holy Spirit abundantly, richly, because he loves us so much. Because he wants to have this relationship with us so much. I found another passage that used that very same word in, in Romans chapter 5. It says this here, and you can read on the screen. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom, again, he has given us. He's poured out his love. It's a, it's a, a it's a part of who He is. It's a part of His love that He's poured this Holy Spirit out on us generously. It's a gift, the gift that He's given to us. It's not something we ever earned or worked up or tried to make happen. Matthew Henry, the uh, commentator like from a long time ago, like the 16 or 1700s, I forget the date, but it's a long time ago. You know, he made this point you know, about the Holy Spirit. He said, born of the Spirit, sanctified by the Spirit, led and guided by the Spirit, strengthened and helped by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actively involved in all these different areas of our lives. So it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to freak out about. There's so much more, and we're, not, we're only going to really kind of look at the tip of the iceberg here, but what about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians? What about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians and Romans? What about being filled by the Spirit? We need Him in so, so many ways. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at some different facets. But from the very start, and by the very start or from the beginning, I mean from the start of our, our salvation, from when that time of, of where that new birth begins within us. So if you turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1, this is a kind of an anchor passage. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> excuse me, verses 13 and 14, it says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So you heard the word of truth, you heard the, the gospel, which is good news about what it means to be saved, what, what it means that we need to be saved. And then it says, having believed. So then we trust, we believe. We hear the truth, we believe. 
And then it says this, that you, having believed, after we believe, it says you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. Who is, not which is or what is, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He says we're marked with a seal. And when they talk about that in the Bible, what they're referring to is when, when somebody would, would have a, a possession or, or they, they bought something, it was going to be delivered to them, they would put a, a seal on it with their, with like their seal. There would be like wax or whatever, and they would put their seal in there with like their name or whatever it would be. So it signified whose it was. He marks us with a seal. Why? Because we belong to him. He, he wanted us so much. He, he wants us to be his. What I, what I thought about that, and, uh, and I was going to mention it later, but I'll mention it now, is that, is that, you know what? It's not just like we are his possession, but we become his family, his children, my very own child, my very own son, my very own daughter. I'm his. So he marks us with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, this seal of ownership. Jump ahead to chapter 4, if you will, and, and uh, verse 30. Chapter 4, verse 30, he says, And do not grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom? I love that word. It keeps saying with whom. The Holy Spirit is involved in my life, and He is a person. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He said it in chapter 1. He's talking about it now in chapter 4 as well, that there's coming a day. The seal is for the day coming. He's like a, a down payment, a deposit, guaranteeing this inheritance. But notice he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's working in our lives. He's, he's in us. And we can grieve Him. How do we do that? By resisting Him. By fighting against Him. By wanting to do our own thing and, and not listening to Him. That grieves Him. Why? Because He only wants to do what's best for you and me. He doesn't want to, to take us down a path that's going to destroy us. If the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and we're going down a wrong path, Guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to be encouraging us, challenging us, and speaking to us. Don't go down that path, because if you do, you're going to be in some deep trouble. And when we say, you know what, let me just go, and, and, and he's grieved by that. That's just one way. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't resist him. He only has what's best for us, for you and for me. Let's turn back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul talks about, again, the seal of ownership. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. I like what verse 21 says. He says... 
Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. If we have any strength at all, it's because of God's strength in us by the Holy Spirit. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Where has he put the Holy Spirit? His Holy Spirit? Where is he dwelling? He's dwelling in us. He's dwelling in my heart. The, the last segment of this session I'm going to do, or this uh, series I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about this inheritance. About what is guaranteed to come, because, because you know, we, we have a lot to look forward to. We've already seen it in two different passages. You know, he's, he's put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Said in Ephesians, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So we have a lot coming for us. So I want to spend uh, the last uh, uh, part of this series on what God has guaranteed and this inheritance that he has for us, waiting for us. So, but the Holy Spirit, he's just, he's just like the deposit. He's just a little bit of a foretaste of all the good things that he has waiting for us, that he has planned for us, that he has prepared for us. Turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you see... Paul talks this terminology that he uses and the, the words and, and concepts, he uses these over and over and over again in almost, you know, in many of the books that he writes here, the letters that he writes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Well, let's start in verse 18 because I think it's an important context. He says, flee... From sexual immorality, all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Where's the Holy Spirit? He says we, he talks about it in two different ways really. One is us individually where the Holy Spirit is living within us. We are a temple. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the context he talks about is, is sexual immorality. So what does another thing that grieves the Holy Spirit is, is sexual immorality. Any kind of sexual activity outside a husband and wife. A man and a woman who are married. He says, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Collectively as well, there's another passage that talks about us as a church. Collectively, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if we are, what does he say? What does he say we should do? He said, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. If the Holy Spirit is living within me, it matters what I do with this body. 
It matters how I live. It matters what, where I go, what I do, the kinds of things I'm involved in, what I agree to, what I do not agree to, what I watch, what I don't watch. It, it, it matters because we have the Holy Spirit living within me, within us, within you, if you are one of his. Notice I say, if you are one of his, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Turn back one book. We're going to look at some passages now in the, in the, in the book of, of Romans, in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. One of the most incredible chapters, I think, in, in all the New Testament. Romans chapter 8. Just beautiful, beautiful things here. I love all the Bible, too. You know that. But Romans chapter 8, look in verse 9. He says this, You, however are controlled by, not by the sinful nature or the flesh, is a better translation. You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by what? The Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So the Spirit of God within us, if, if He's in us, he's, he's leading us, He's guiding us, He's showing us the way. But notice what it says in the last part of this. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, which is also the Spirit of God, which is also the Spirit of Christ, you see again this idea of the Trinity all uh, working together here. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you, you don't belong to Him. So I think that's kind of important, don't you? To have the Holy Spirit living within you, to realize it, to recognize it, that, that God's Spirit is living within me. And maybe this is why I'm having the trouble I'm having, because I'm not paying any attention to what He's trying to say to me. Maybe I am grieving, maybe I'm resisting, maybe I'm not honoring God by how I live my life. Look at verse 11. There's just some others we're going to look at here quickly in this chapter. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, where? In you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. He says it twice. Life. I don't know about you, but I want life. You know, I got enough death. I got enough of that stuff. I want life. Look at verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, the Holy Spirit working in all kinds of ways in our lives, it's not just having a Holy Ghost revival blowout party. It's, it's God's Spirit working in me to put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Holy Spirit's helping me to live the right way. He doesn't say, okay, you go out there, you do the best you can, live the best you can, and you're going to be all right. No, He says, I'm right here. You can't get any closer than that, right? I'm right here within you to help you to get the victory over the flesh. He doesn't just leave us on our own. 
Look at verse 14. Because those who are what? Led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or children of God. He wants to lead us. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize I need to ask him to lead me about even the small things. Like, should I buy that cereal or not? No, I'm just kidding about that. But, but that may be just a slight over-exaggeration, but I think just about the stuff going on in our lives, like, God, show me, help me to know the right thing to do. Instead of me just charging out there and doing it, thinking I know everything and I know what's best, and, and then having to clean up the mess or asking him to clean it up. Where if I would just take a, a moment and say, God, can you lead me? Can you show me? Can you help me find the right way here? It says here that that's what he will do. If, those, if we are his sons and daughters, his children, that he wants to lead us. And how does he do it? He does it by the Spirit of God living within us. How about verse 15? This is, a, this is what I was referring to earlier, and I, this is some of my favorite verses. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Oh, I love that. I don't know. I want the Holy Spirit revival on that part here that, that my spirit is, is receiving this confirmation that I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And through it, by him, it says, we cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us fearful. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy. That's our own flesh. That's the world. The Holy Spirit brings us peace and confirmation that we belong to Him, that we're a child of God. One more, verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He helps us even when we don't even know how to pray. He helps us so much. In the Gospel of John, we're not going to look at those verses, but he's called the Counselor. And in and, and some translations, uh, translate that word Comforter. And others translate it Helper. The Holy Spirit, he's there for us. He will remind us of things that God has spoken to us. He'll help us. He, he will guide us into all truth, it says in John. But notice this, it also says that he doesn't draw attention to himself, but he always draws attention to who? To Jesus. That's the, some of the extremes I've seen where, where you know, the Holy Spirit is, is that's, all we're, that's all we care about is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit always, always points to Jesus. So getting back to where we began here, he saved us. 
saved us. Rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. I don't know about you, but just reading some of these verses, and you know what, this is all just the New Testament. There's, there's all kinds of stuff about the Spirit of God in the Old Testament too, starting in chapter 1, right? The Spirit of God was, was hovering over the waters and, and He was there you know, at the point of creation. I hope, my, my whole purpose of this is that just to, 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 number one, for you to be more informed, more educated, more uh, understanding about who the Holy Spirit is and, and to, to take away any fear. Like he just is working in all these different ways in our lives. We, he, he doesn't make us a slave again to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of if it's really the Holy Spirit, if it's really God, the Spirit. I want to close. We're going to have communion here now, but I want to close with a quote that I found in a, a, a commentary by Holman. And uh, it, it just talks about what, what I've been trying to communicate with you. So let's read these. It's on two slides here. God always acts. And this is referring to the fact here where it says that he poured it out generously. Whom? He poured out generously on us. God always acts in, a, in extravagance, and His gift of the Spirit to those who believe demonstrates His greatest liberality. Not only has He rescued us from the frustrations and enslavements of sin, He has assured a spiritual power and development that would lie beyond us without His personal interaction. And I love this last statement. The Spirit enables us to follow in the ways of Christ. He enables us to follow in the, in the ways of Christ. Oh, how we need Him. I don't know about you, but, you know, the desire of my heart is to follow in the ways of Christ. At least my spirit wants that. This, the, you know, the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit, spirit is willing. My spirit wants to follow in the ways of Christ. My flesh wants to do something different. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God Himself working within me, enables me, helps me to follow in the ways of Christ. I can't do it. I cannot do it apart from Him. I can't. I can't. Let's pray together, shall we? And then we'll have communion. Father God, Son of God, Holy Spirit of God, the Trinity, the incredible God, one God, and three persons all working and acting and helping to bring us to heaven, to give us eternal life, to give us hope beyond this life. Lord, we, we just take a moment now to surrender, to say, I give, I give up. Have your way, have thine own way, Lord. You are the potter, we are the clay. Work in us, work on us. Do what you need to do with us, Lord. 
We're helpless. We're hopeless without you. We're desperate for you. Father, and as we come to the cross, we thank you that for us, that's where it begins. That's where it, that's where it all happens at the cross of Christ, where Jesus, you went to that cross and you died for my sin, for our sins, for the sins of the whole world, that, that whosoever would believe in you and what you did, that we wouldn't perish, but we'd have eternal life. So we come, we come to remember, but we also come to thank you. We come to worship you. We come to rejoice in, in all that's been done for us at the cross. We quiet our hearts before you now, Lord. Maybe we've been stirred, maybe we've been challenged in some way or another, and, and we need to to get right with you before we would partake, before we would participate in this sharing of the body and the blood of Jesus and the symbols that we partake, the bread and the cup. We're sorry, Lord. Maybe we've never surrendered. Maybe we've, we've never asked you in to our hearts and lives. And, Maybe you're ready to do that today. It's the time you've been waiting for. Where you want God in your life by the Holy Spirit. You want the Son of God to save you, to rescue you. That you'd be born again and have a brand new life, a brand new heart. And all you need to do is believe and trust Him and ask Him in. You can do that right now and, and then partake. Simply say, Lord, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Save me today, Lord. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.